0: talk about the panama canal
1: hey are we there
0: it's alive it's alive
1: my name is tom i'll be your engineer Might today this bit. hey if we're gonna have another computer on here uh-huh. really need the table to go over in this corner to put the board on even if you do like costco and get a little like we can do that two four foot by four yeah. ton, not
0: even a three foot
1: by three foot little square folding table
0: we can do that Get get the board off, get the wires and we can off. We have
1: two computers. Yep. And then when you're really cool, you can get a TV mounted on the wall, and we can run it to that, and then everyone can see Dawn from oh. up there behind us.
0: Ooh. Like the science fiction movies.
1: Sure, if that's what you want to call
2: it. <laughs> what was it, Scientific Fantasy Theater or something? 3,000?
0: Mystery Science Theater 3,000. Yes. Oh, Yes and then they also do rift tracks which is one of my favorite uh, <laughs> movies was bird demic
1: it's like mystery stamp theater
0: 1.4 you can't say that I'll be crow t robot and don can be
1: uh not what, here
0: what's what's the name of the girl on uh, mystery science theater
1: there's uh, a girl in Mystery Science Theater? Yeah,
0: the big uh, robot the vacuum cleaner hose girl. That's Rosie from the Jetsons. No. <laughs> uh.
2: I, I hate to admit, are we online?
0: Yes. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. It was those days.
2: Mm-hmm. When I was watching it late at night, and I wasn't too clear in thinking.
0: Oh, well. <laughs> Some good movies, though. They were great. One of the ones that we talked to uh, about was uh, also King of the Spiders which had uh, Captain Kirk in it, William Machette, in one of his glorious roles. (laughs) There were many. Oh, yes. And on that note, let's start a podcast. Yeah, let's do a countdown. Who's going to do the count? Five, four,
1: three, two, one. Hi, this is Scott English. I'm the executive
3: director of the American Philatelic Society, and you're listening to Stamp Show here today.
2: Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful?
3: I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps.
2: Oh. Oh, 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 oh,
1: This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile
2: of stamps carefully culled
1: from swap meets and garage sales.
2: Rufus, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting, that's alright, that's quite a nice hobby,
1: that. Yeah, (laughs) but it's not enough. Don't you
2: understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer! You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Homer, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan I
3: got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan I got a planet from Poland but none from Sudan i from Fiji or Uzbekistan
0: Stamp collecting happens when we dream together
1: live from a deep hole which happens to have pretty good wi-fi this is stamp show here today episode number 135
0: I'm Cash. Sharknado5 is out. Why are you listening to this podcast?
2: Uh, oh, I'm Scott. This is Jim. And my only joke of the day, which I didn't have last time, is a question. Scott, are you seriously collecting scorpion stamps? No.
1: (laughs) Just scorpions. Just
2: scorpions. (laughs) Welcome to the desert.
1: (laughs) Ouch. This is Tom If love is blind Why is lingerie so popular Also I found out that eBay is terrible So oh, with what <laughs> I did a search for lighters And all I got was 30,000 matches
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Tom's now in charge of jokes Instead of cash <laughs> Or Jim <laughs>
1: And I don't understand this. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you
0: know she doesn't like it when you do that. <laughs> she commented, well, she's time. not here. Yeah. so <laughs> and you, and you're the one who didn't edit it out.
1: <laughs> if she doesn't like it, you gotta take it out. Yeah, no. boyfriend. next week we'll be we will be having our big Rutherford. <laughs> <laughs> next week, we will be having our big Rutherford B. Hayes extravaganza, so stay tuned.
0: I have something. Um, There's a shock. Yeah. On YouTube, our episode number 113 on the Cod Wars, uh, also uh, the height stamp with the purple dress, we put it up. We're going to start putting our uh, podcasts up on YouTube, but they are not going to show up in any searches or recommendeds or anything like that if we don't get some numbers. So can I ask all of our listeners to go listen to uh, Stamp Show here today, episode number 113 on YouTube. If we get high enough numbers, then YouTube will put us inside of their search algorithm so that we can actually get some listeners and things uh, on YouTube, which right now it's pretty much invisible. So Facebook or YouTube? YouTube. Facebook or fine. Everybody goes on Facebook, leaves everybody comments.
1: Also on this day in history, in 1914, the Panama Canal opened up for traffic with the first
0: official ship transit of the cargo ship SS Ancon. I love this. I've seen this cover many times. I'm going to put it up on Facebook. Uh, It is a very common cover for the USS Ancon. It uh, has a Panama line cachet, and it shows a little map. I never realized how important this ship was and how historic this cover was. And I see these covers all the time for like 25 cents. And why don't you tell us a little bit about the history because I thought this was really great.
1: The SS Ancon was an American cargo and passenger ship that became the first ship to officially transit the Panama Canal in 1914. The ship was built as the Shawmut for the Boston Steamship Company by the Maryland Steel Company. The Shawmut and sister ship Tremont were two of the largest United States commercial ships in service at the time, and the company eventually found them too expensive to operate. Chalmett and Tremont were acquired by the United States government through the agency of the Panama Railroad Company's Panama Railroad Steamship Line. Wow, that's a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Whose assets were entirely owned by the government and critical to construction of the canal. Both ships were renamed for features of the canal, Chalmett for the Pacific side terminus Ancon, and Tremont as Cristobal for the canal's Atlantic port. Though not the first vessel to make a complete transit, Ancon made the first official and ceremonial transit with a delegation of some 200 dignitaries aboard. After the end of World War I, the ship saw very brief service from March 28th to July 25th, 1919, as a commissioned United States ship USS Ancon ID 1467, making two round trip voyages from the New York to France,
0: returning troops home. So it was a World War I ship as well as a Panama Canal ship.
1: Ancon was returned to Panama Canal service and was in service with the canal until 1939 when the ship was sold to private parties known as the Permanente Steamship Company and renamed Permanente.
0: So the Canal Zone, a lot of people collect possessions. You were talking, Jim, right. was, you were talking about collecting possessions. Canal Zone is interesting because it is it is like no other territory that the United States ever had. That's why I like the history and that's why I included it here.
3: It was also a major transit port for U.S. mail.
0: Yeah.
2: And military. Mm-hmm. And military. I've been through it four times.
0: Four times. Four times, coming and going. Couldn't afford an airline ticket.
2: No, the Navy liked to keep us all together.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> those, those, those ships
2: are a bugger to fly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that we ended up giving it away at the other end.
0: Well, we'll get into that a little later. There, it wasn't. There was a little more than us just saying, oh, yeah, okay, you guys can have this.
2: I mean like Hong Kong is just a contract for a few years?
0: Yeah. well, why don't we ask Tom to continue with the script? Continue with the story. Oh, okay. Teddy
1: Roosevelt made the Panama Canal Acts of 1902 and 1904 and made the Secretary of War the supervisor of canal construction. Also, the Second Isthmian Canal Commission made the governing body for the canal zone. Say
3: that three
0: times fast. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so the military was in charge.
1: Then, under the Panama Canal Act of 1912, President Woodrow Wilson issued Executive Order 1885, abolishing the previous government, placing the Canal Zone directly under the Secretary of War. The governor of the Panama Canal was appointed and was charged with completion, maintenance, operation, government, and sanitation of the Panama Canal and its adjuncts, and the government of the Canal Zone. Holy cow.
3: Mm. Another mouthful.
1: Right? Another run on sentence. A number of departments were specified in the executive order, as needed by the governor of the Panama Canal, with approval of the president and under the supervision of the Secretary of War. The executive order was specific in that the permanent organization should be under the Secretary of War, establishing the military importance and control for the Canal Zone.
2: Because I'm moving. Everything is packed, and I'm looking through all my books finding in my canal's own books, and I couldn't find us. So I'm saying, Maybe I gave it away. Because <laughs> that collection was done 10 years ago. I completed that 10 years ago. I was like, "Sham. So anyways, back to history class. <laughs>
1: yes. Did you know that in 1903 the United States sent warships in support of Panamanian independence from Colombia? After we convinced Colombia that Panamanian independence... Panamanian, that's a weird word. (laughs) Was a great thing. Panama ceded to to America the rights to build the canal.
0: Which actually, like I found out earlier, who gave the United States permission to build the Panama Canal?
1: The United States? No,
0: Britain. Yeah, Great Britain gave... (laughs) Seriously? yeah, Yeah. Britain gave... The permission to the united states and what land who owned the land that we put the panama canal on
2: the aztecs no no natives never own any land <laughs> come on <laughs> the french maybe
0: the french exactly so we bought the oh yeah they, we bought
3: they beat it out of the aztecs yeah we bought
0: <laughs> we bought french land for 40 million dollars we bought the french land the british gave us permission to uh build it we did a coup so that Panama would be an independent country so that we wouldn't have any problem from them. And uh, this is... Uh, Got
2: to keep the locals happy. Yeah, exactly. And the reason we paid $40 million is because we had such a deal in that Louisiana purchase.
1: <laughs> Over time, though, the existence of the canal as a militarized part of the United States that literally cut Panama in half... And had its own courts, police, and civil government Became cause of conflict between the two countries But we gave you independence <laughs> <laughs> Demonstrations occurred And in 1960 1960- Oh no oh, And in 1964, serious rioting oh, yeah. now the oh no This led to the United States easing its control in the zone For example, Panamanian flags were allowed to be flying Flying? For example, Panamanian flags were allowed to be flown Alongside American ones after extensive negotiations, the canal zone ceased to exist on October 1st, 1979.
0: I'm kind of curious how extensive the negotiations were. It's like... Uh, okay, love well, you. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Get out of my house.
0: Yeah, so it wasn't uh, us being altruistic and everything. They uh, like didn't like the fact that you could go from north to south without crossing the United States borders.
3: And knowing how to swim.
2: And if it was really a U.S. territory, then they become U.S. citizens kind of roundabout way.
0: Ah. Well, ask like Tom Mc- Puerto John Rico. Mc-
2: ask John McCain about that. He was born yeah. in the catal zone. Well, that was under extenuating circumstances. Well, he was
3: born there. Yeah. yeah. So that made him a U.S. citizen.
0: Yeah. Did you know that the Panama Canal Zone was legally leased territory of the United States and questions arose almost, I'm reading, almost from the beginning as to whether it's considered part of the United States for constitutional purposes like voting and citizenship. In
1: 1901, the U.S. Supreme Court had ruled that unincorporated territories are not the United States, so international law kicked in and Canal Canalzonians became non-U.S non-citizen U.S. nationals so they got statutory U.S. citizenship at birth but only if their fathers and later the mother were at the time of the child's birth U.S. citizens who had previously resided in the United States
0: In other words, John McCain (laughs) John McCain, but John McCain wasn't a U.S. citizen because he was born in Canal Zone. He was a U.S. citizen because he was born in Canal Zone and his father was a U.S. citizen. Yes So if his father hadn't been a U.S. citizen, it doesn't matter if you're born there or not.
1: This rule was later rendered moot when the rules were changed to state that almost all children born to U.S. citizens anywhere in the world were considered U.S. citizens. I like this statement, almost all. (laughs) (laughs) This is because in 2008, Canal Zonian John McCain ran for president, but was he legally eligible to be president? Just an FYI, because isn't that what this whole podcast is about? The U.S. Senate passed a non-binding resolution that McCain was a natural-born citizen of the United States.
3: Wow, and we paid them to discuss that for how many days before they voted on it?
0: Well, the interesting thing was it wasn't like settled law. Well, I understand so this, that. The Senate just came out and said, listen, we don't want to go through another Barack Obama Kenya thing. We're voting on it. He can be president. Go if you win, and of course he lost.
2: Now, a question: Is John McCain's father in the military?
0: Yes, he was at the time.
2: And he was born in a military hospital.
0: I believe he was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So he would have been considered, even if he was in France, in a military hospital. Yes. You're a U.S. citizen.
0: Yes. Well, we're like, so
1: then why was it even even a discussion?
2: Because he was going to run for president.
0: And and the whole thing is, is Canal Zone part of the United States? He was born in a foreign country.
1: Well, but like he was stating, though, if he was born in a military hospital, it doesn't matter where he was. He should be a U.S. citizen.
0: Well, that's the whole thing about uh, whether even if Barack Obama was born in Kenya, he was born of a U.S. mother. And I don't know when the law checked in, but if you are born of a U.S. citizen, you're a citizen. And it started with father. But I think it changed to mother in, like, the early 60s. So I'm not sure when that happened.
2: He wasn't born in the early 60s. He's older than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Barack Obama. Oh, no, he's way younger than me. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: you know, it's funny because there's actually an interesting side to that is when my grandfather wanted to be able to take me hunting when I was 16. He was a member of this protective association that owns a bunch of land where only members can go hunt. Mm -hmm. And he was one of the ones that helped originally write the bylaws, and it was handed down uh, membership father to son. Oh. Well, I wasn't father to son because it was my mother. Ah. And they actually gave him a very hard time about me being let in because it wasn't father to son Mm. they actually went back and had to rewrite the bylaws then and this is only you know 20 something years ago to allow mother to son Mm -hmm. so that my mother could become a member through her father and then i could become a member through my mother so i mean this stuff even now comes up you know in more recent stuff yeah.
0: well I was a I used to have a vineyard and I made wine and one of the things during prohibition is that you couldn't buy and sell but you could make wine you could grow your own grapes and make wine it wasn't illegal every household was able to make a hundred and I believe it was a hundred and sixty gallons a year but it was the male head of household was allowed to make 160. If you were an unmarried woman, you couldn't make anything.
1: <laughs> Only the boys could stomp on the grapes?
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, no, we, it, it was odd in that, you know, the male head of household could make 160 gallons, everybody else is screwed. And back to our topic at hand.
2: Why? We're having fun. Of course.
1: <laughs> well, that's what the sole purpose of this is. So the US issued a bunch of stamps. For the Canal Zone, what are they? They're stamps. A bunch of stamps, to oh, be technically... A
0: bunch of that's stamps. That's
3: uh, First stamps were Colombian stamps overprinted for Panama and then overprinted for Canal Zone.
0: Yeah, these are uh, pretty cool. The The Panama overprints have a whole plethora of spelling errors and reading up and down the wrong way and broken letters and stuff like that. It was a rather slap-happy job, let's say. But the uh, Colombian stamps, they just took Colombian stamps, put a red bar across the word Colombian, then wrote Panama down the side. And then that those were the Panama stamps, and then they grabbed the Panama stamps that had already been overprinted, and then overprinted those another time to say Canal Zone. So the one
2: to three of the original Colombian and then we go on to another set that are not.
0: Oh, yeah. Tell, talk about those.
2: Well, one to one to eight are the U.S. stamps that are overprinted. And um, they just say Canal Zone on, in Panama are on one side and Canal Zone on the other.
0: That's all I got to say. Well, what stamps were they? though? They're oh, the 1901. One, not,
2: they're all, believe it or not, the 1904 was the original, 1904, June 24th, were the original three from Colombia then 1904 July 18th were the four to eight. US stamps overprinted. And then they jump in again going back to the overprint stamps of Panama and Colombia, which overprints a whole bunch and the numbers are high like up to 20.
0: Yeah, and that's because they had so many different varieties. You know, it was such a haphazard job that Scott Catalog said, you know, we need to give each one of these stupid little (laughs) overprints that we did in the wrong direction, you know, let's give them each a number. And uh, the varieties is the same thing. It's just an incredible plethora of, and this is, the Scott's numbers aren't even close to all of them.
2: I know, I have, as I said, I have a, stamp that I'm going to send in as soon as I unpack my boxes.
0: As soon as you find them. <laughs> yeah, they're,
2: well, I've got, in the boxes, I'm pretty good about labeling. I labeled the box saying, stamps on the desk graded to sell. My desk was pretty messy. My <laughs> wife is very happy for that we're moving.
1: So after they did the Columbia stamps, they then overprinted U.S. regular issue stamps.
3: Yay, regular issue stamps.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and these are the fourth bureau issues.
3: Yes. Yeah. These are the Fourth Bureau uh, rotary, issue, rotary issues and flat plate issues.
0: What's a good uh, – it seems like, you know, you could put these in a typewriter and no, them. I, no, actually – What's a good way to detect them?
3: Actually, these were typographed. So they um, – if you took a stamp and you used a typewriter, first of all, it would have a different ink. And second of all, when you flip the stamp over and look at the back – Usually a typewriter will impress the image of the letters onto the back and with the typography this went through a printing press so you don't get that effect.
0: Is it the same that they use with the uh, Kansas-Nebraska's,
3: yes. Kansas.
0: So that's a good way of expertizing both of them to make sure you don't get fakes.
3: Well that's that's one way to tell the the ink, yes,
1: and the printing. And then finally they started printing their own stamps.
0: And those went all the way up to 1972, right? When did they When did they stopped? In what year did they stop overprinting stamps and start?
2: Oh, I've got I've got them listed to 74, but that's the email stuff.
0: The emails, the stamps you put no, on I your mean, email. Yeah, email stamps. Hello, <laughs> airmail, airmails, uh, delayed flights. So mm-hmm. the, they went for two additional years. They were hanging out at the uh, airport. Yeah, well, that was rapid delivery. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like uh nineteen twenty one. And then they started printing stamps all the way up to
3: No, it had to be later than that because yeah. the fourth bureaus didn't come out until nineteen twenty
0: two. Okay. I'm in looking, a Flat Plate. I'm in looking 19... at... What year what year is that set? Right here? Yeah. Nineteen thirty nine. So nineteen thirty nine to nineteen seventy four. Yeah, thirty nine. Yeah, they put out their own stamps. Oh, that works. I have a comment
2: to make. Nobody's mentioned that in Lynn's August 14th issue, you all are in here. I was describing to my wife last night what the podcast is all about. She knows what podcasts are. Okay. It's, no, it's like yesterday we were having a discussion about at our dinner about all these members in the club that are having a hard time describing a podcast.
0: <laughs> okay. <You> remember that? <laughs> hey, I didn't see that. That's us. That's what I'm saying. We're in the Lins. That's
1: that's because you're too busy tearing them up. (laughs) I guess.
0: (laughs) We're in the Lins. We made it to Lins.
1: We are in Lins. Editors Insights.
0: Ooh. But it's outdated because it
2: still lists you all in California.
0: Eh, who cares? (laughs) I mean, you're Stamp
1: Show Here Today offers podcasts, a radio show for stamp collectors.
2: Cool. And it gives the online address at the bottom of the article... So if you don't know what a podcast is, like you just just the on members
0: it. of the club, you can get it online. Well, I have a funny feeling that everybody who can hear you right now knows what a podcast is. <laughs> yes, they, <laughs> they
1: do.
3: probably they figured
1: do. it out by now. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, but you may get a lot more people to learn.
0: Yeah, that's we,
2: true. That's true. I mean, we, we sat down with one guy last night who we described it in 50 different directions. What is a podcast? Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah, well, you pull out your phone, you start one up, and you say, this is a podcast.
0: Well, and you we let them listen to it. We started, you know, we're, I don't know if we broke 20,000 yet. I don't think we did, but we are really super close to hovering right around 20,000. And that's a pretty good sized podcast.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of liking the podcast. Oh. Um, I was at the APS show in Richmond a couple of weeks ago. And I want to thank everybody who stopped by to say hi. And I'm sorry I didn't get everybody's name, but uh, looks like uh, Jan Hoffmeyer, Jim Verdini, and David Burris stopped by and said hi and thank you very much. And if I didn't write your name down or my wife didn't write your name down, uh, I'm <laughs> sorry I missed it, but it was good to see you guys and keep coming by and saying hi. Uh, the encouragement is great.
0: Oh, yeah. That's what we do it for.
3: Oh, absolutely.
0: We don't get paid. Does somebody want to pay us for it? Any paid advertisers out there want to... Uh, You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. You know, when I... Everybody will be able to tell when we sold out this podcast because we'll have Blue Apron advertisements. Every time I listen to a podcast, like Blue Apron hits everybody. So... uh, (laughs) blue apron people if you're listening uh we are open to put putting uh, well, a jingle in here for we're, you we're, we're
3: we're accepting donations in exchange for advertising yeah <laughs>
2: and i'll even throw in a plug in for them because i had to do a lot of cooking because my wife was still working while i retired and she was complaining that i would drive long distances to get a special recipe i said i got a fix for that and i got blue apron and she even loves them now.
0: Oh, Don, Don loves cooking, and she has Blue Apron, too. We've been doing Blue Hey, Blue Apron, listen to this. <laughs> Send us a check. Uh, you can find my address. Oh. <laughs> Tom is reading the lens to see if there's anything good in it.
2: It was actually a good article.
0: Is it juicy?
1: Um, no, not, not juicy. Informational.
0: Well, that's good. Does it say we're great, or does it say we suck? Um. It just says we're there. No, that's noncommittal.
1: <laughs> so. Well, they didn't. They didn't really. It wasn't a review of the podcast. It's just. It's more informational, letting oh, people okay. know. I think it's also. Would on you page like to three. hear it?
3: Well, it's it's absolutely something that uh, everybody should listen to at least once. Yeah. Would,
0: would you like to hear the article? Sure. Give us a little snippet.
3: Yeah, don't read the whole thing.
1: <laughs> just, <laughs> oh, jeez. Just
3: just a good snippet. That's enough.
1: <laughs> well, I like. Uh, well, they they give us a double plug because uh, Braefus is chief financial officer and head of marketing and advertising for Professional Stamp Experts, an authentication and grading company for United States stamps. The company is located in Santa Ana, California. Not actually, the operative word should be was, but yeah. you know, who knows when they actually wrote the article? We did just move. Murphy, who is president of PSE, said it is a labor of love. Oh. Don Goss, who hosts, it's kind of cool being a celebrity. There's a shock. <laughs> 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 uh-huh. <laughs>
3: yeah, it, it, it is a little weird to go to a stamp show and and have people walk up to you and 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 say that they listen to the podcast and and how much they enjoy it. It's it's kind of weird to be almost a celebrity.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> podcast began with discussions of expertizing, detecting forgeries, and reperforated and regum stamps. More recent podcasts cover lighter subjects, including Lynn's United States Stamp Popularity Poll, Fancy Cancels, Movies That Feature Stamps, Removing Stamps from Covers, and Stamp Shows.
0: That's true. And Canal Zone.
3: And now Canal Zone. You can add that to the list.
0: <laughs> I don't think they can. It's already been printed.
1: To access Stamp Show Here Today, you can use iTunes, Podbean, or almost any other podcast platform. The podcast can also be accessed from their website, www.stampshowheretoday.com.
0: They actually put the www. Yeah,
1: right at the bottom. show. When do you
0: ever not have a www?
2: When you go HTTP something or other something. Or other. HTTP colon
0: slash slash back
2: backslash backslash.
0: That's the OJ uh, OJ Simpson murder backslash murder backslash 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 murder backslash.
2: Tom, backslash was that on page three or page two? Four. Four, I'm sorry. Page four. Ooh. You've
0: gone downhill. We, we got <sighs> buried. We didn't get the front cover, huh? Nah. Who's on the front cover? Me. <laughs>
2: Rutherford B Hayes.
1: Yeah, Rutherford B Hayes. Floral abundance with flowers from the garden stamps to be issued by USPS August 16th in two formats.
0: Uh, oh, we should have announced that. Yeah, let me see what More stamps l-
1: were issued yesterday.
0: Let's see what the flowers look like.
1: They look like flowers. And yeah. Eh. Vases. Eh. Vases. Yeah. And also something uh, British Commonwealth and more in the Razdale Auction, which is coming up on uh, August 19th and 20th. So Ooh. get this podcast up quick so people know about the Razdale Auction.
0: Yeah. Razdale, good guys. Free plug. Or you can send us money.
1: <laughs> we're actually really kind of on the second page because it's letters to Linz and then we're next.
2: Right. That's what I was wondering. Editor's Insights. Yeah. Thank
1: you very much, Lins, for uh, writing an article about us. That's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, we got our picture in here and everything. That's cool.
2: And my (laughs) wife is a little surprised that I get to that one so quick because she has complained about the stack of stamp magazines on the couch.
0: Mm. I have one of those next to my uh, bathtub. Just (coughs) probably more than anybody Mm. cared to know. Probably. Yeah. Too much information. So shall we, oh, you want to give a plug I, to your... I think
2: Jim wants to give a plug.
0: Give a, give he's, a plug he's, here. He's
2: pointing well, to a paper. This is my last week being in Nevada, and I am the president of the Stamp stamp Club called Southern Nevada Stamp Club, and I should plug my own club, shouldn't I?
0: Absolutely. Plug
1: everything, especially okay. since you're a guest on the show. Yeah, Thank you.
2: The club meets Friday, the first and third Friday of the month in Acadia Springs Independent... And Assisted Living Facility, which is located at 8630 West, and I'm going to spell this word, N-E-V-S-O, Neveso Drive, Las Vegas. And we have an email address, which is Southern Nevada Stamp Club, all one word, at gmail.com. And if you email us, we'll email you back. And that's about the only plug I've got left. You got any plugs, Scott?
0: Only in my hair. Tom? Ouch. Any plugs?
1: Sure. WC Stamps offers premium U.S. classic and rare stamps on eBay. They make sure that 90% of their inventory is always the lowest price listed on eBay. And they also accept the best offers. Just search WC Stamps, all one word, on eBay. Thank you for your support of the show.
0: I... That sounds like more than... Other than
1: that, I just plugged the computer in.
0: That was more than a plug. That sounded like an advertisement. Well, I got got a plug.
3: Uh, Anybody who's coming to Sescal in October, uh, second weekend in October in Ontario, California, come by and say hi.
0: Yeah, that's a good plug. Sescal. Uh, Let's see. What do I have to plug? Um... Can't think of anything except for bird Demic. If you haven't seen bird Demic on Rift tr- Rift tracks, that's definitely one to see if you want to uh, enjoy how bad a movie can be or sharknado five sharknado five. Haven't seen it yet. I'm on my way out of here
2: and I'm going to back up and add one more half of a plug.
0: Oh, half a plug. How do you do a half plug. a plug? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> How's that for half a plug?
2: <laughs> um, if you're ever in the Las Vegas area, email us that you're coming and we'll help you out with the three stamp stores that are local and maybe get you to a meeting. And we're going to move to Saturday meetings pretty soon. Visitor Saturday is stamp midday.
0: club? Stamp club, yes. So this isn't actually half a plug. This is a continuation of the prior plug. Yeah.
1: Okay. This is the other half of the first half.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, that sounds good. That works. Well, shall we peter out or end abruptly? End abruptly. Okay.
1: Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show here today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com,
2: iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about re regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philochelicsecrets.com today.